Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Great to be with you. Great celebrating with you guys. And it's great to be a church together in this place. God makes this place holy, not because it's of its name or its place or the stuff that we put in here. God's make this place holy by his presence as we gather and we worship the living Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And this is a service where we're welcoming those of you who are worshiping with us at home, and we love you. You're with us. We know we're one church united, and, and we know that Christ is with you right where you are. Uh, church, we're taking a little bit of a pivot now. We've done four weeks on the good Sam- at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, and today's a little different. We're looking at Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at a different conversion story, the conversion story of Peter. So turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, and as we turn to that scripture, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, without your help, uh, we are a people staring down at a dead letter on a page. But when you send your Holy Spirit, when you open our minds, when you open our hearts, we can hear your voice, the word of God. And we pray for that, Jesus, in your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Luke 5. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is God's word. So we want to talk about break into belonging today. Break into belonging. And, and today, folks, it's the, it's the guy's turn. All right? You ready, guys? We did four weeks on the Samaritan woman at the well. We're doing one week for the dudes. So wake up, dudes, and pay attention, right? Because this is going to go by pretty quick. But here's what we're looking for. Is it possible that in the conversion story of Peter, that in the life of Peter, that Jesus used that same kind of fourfold step process that he used with the Samaritan woman at the well to break Peter out of his isolation and into true belonging? Is it possible that Jesus did it in the same exact pattern? Is that possible? If it ain't possible, then I'm done preaching and we can all walk out to our cars. It is. It is. It's exactly what Jesus did. But here's the thing. 
with guys, sometimes guys need some shared experiences together. They need to do stuff together to form relationships, to make friendships. Uh, you need to go out and try something, go out and attack something, uh, fall over and break something. I mean, this is how sometimes for guys, this is how it's done. And what Jesus does here with Peter is he does, he does this breaking in with a shared experience, an adventure, an adventure. Uh, see, sometimes guys need adventure. The most dangerous three words in the male lexicon. You know what they are? Hold my drink. <laughs> Watch this. When everybody says that, you just start Googling nearest urgent care to me. Just to be safe. Jim D said to me a few years ago, he said, Tim, the best talks I ever have with my son are on top of something big. And what he meant was on top of a mountain together, at the end of an adventure together, on the top of a, a rock face, or in his case, like a multi-pitch rock and ice technical climb up the back of Pike's Peak. But that's Jim. Jim's a little bit unique. But I take that to heart with my own kids, um, and we try to get shared experiences together. My son, Liam, has gotten into rock climbing, as my older son, Jack, is into rock climbing. And so uh, Jack was in town for Liam's birthday a few weeks ago, and so we went climbing together. We went... Uh, and we climbed Montezuma's Tower in Garden of the Gods. That's my boy Liam, uh, ripping his way up that mountain, up that rock. And um, Montezuma's Tower is a, is a great climb in the Garden of the Gods Park, only it's surrounded, it's in the tourist area, and it's surrounded with people who are watching every single thing you do, <laughs> you know? They have got their eyes on you. And the hardest part of this climb is not the top. The hardest part of this climb is actually the very first thing that you've got to do when you are just like taking your, your feet off the ground at the very beginning. That's actually the hardest part of the climb. So, you know, there I was, clinging to this rock, straining every muscle in my body, you know, sweat dripping off of my brow, huffing and puffing, and I am one foot off the ground. <laughs> and there's people walking by me, you know, walking by, going climbing with your boys. <laughs> yep. Shared experience, shared experience, it's worth it. Shared experience. Jesus meets Peter with a shared experience. Now this is Simon Peter, this is Peter. And later he's gonna get renamed Peter, but understands it says Simon, we're talking about Peter. And what Jesus does with him is he walks him through this very same pattern. Number one, he's alone, he's alone. Or if he's not alone, at least he's stuck in his own mind, he's stuck in his own world, he's captured in his own circumstances. And then Peter is suddenly, what we find with Peter is suddenly he's known. He's known more than he ever wanted to be known. And so that's that second stage where he risks being known. And as he's in that stage, and Jesus moves into that stage with him, that's where he meets Jesus. He's open to God. That's the third movement. He's open to God. And then, at the very end of the story, we see that things really shift for Peter, and now he's going to move toward people in a new way, on a new footing. He's open to others in ways that he hasn't been in the past. It's the same pattern, and it plays out in Peter's life right here. Friends, the loneliness epidemic plus the isolation of a global pandemic. And bottom line, we are achingly alone. We're alone. We're too alone. And we need to learn how to break out of being alone and break into true community, true belonging. 
And I'm hearing stories of it happening in this series. I'm praising God for what people are trying, the different stuff that they're doing, just to ask that second question, to linger in that conversation, to walk across the street and meet that person. It's cool what God is doing. But I wanted to say, and I want to say to those who are worshiping at home, because I felt this conviction today, I want you to know that many of us are still worshiping from home, and we would want nothing more but to come to church, to be in gathered bodies, to be with others, but we can't right now, because you're doing everything that you can to, to bring COVID and Delta, to keep it at bay, to keep it from other people from getting it, and I want to say, I totally get that, and as your pastor, I am not trying to pull you into some kind of adverse health situation. I want all of us, you know, talk to your doctors, do what you need to do in your context, in your situation, take every kind of medical advance and help that you can take to, to keep this thing at bay and to stop it from spreading and hurting others, okay? I'm not calling you out of that, but friends, we will get to the back of this thing, amen? We, this is not life as you know it from now on. We will be at the end of this, and when we're at the end of this, I want us, church, to be experts at moving out of loneliness and into true belonging and true community. We want to belong. We need it. Amen? Verse 1, how does it happen in Peter's life? One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee, same thing. People were crowding around him and listening, and they were listening to, to what? Read that with me. To the Word of God. Now, I want you to make a mark in your Bible. I want you to note that. It doesn't say they were listening to Jesus talk. It doesn't say they were listening to Jesus teach. When Jesus speaks, it is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. So, the Word of God is having its good effect. It's getting crowded. Here's what Jesus does. Verse 2, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. He got into one of them. Now, hang on a minute. Any of you who've ever been around boats, anybody been around boats? You've, you've been a, you're a boat person? Do you get in somebody else's boat? That's the last thing you would do. How many of you just walking up and down the marina are like, that's a nice boat? <laughs> you don't do that. See, that would be like coming up on a biker gang at a gas station and seeing like a nice Harley and be like, well, that's a nice Harley. I want to just get on top of that thing, see how it goes. <laughs> Urgent care nearest me, right? You don't do that. So Peter, he sees Jesus getting in his boat. And he says, I think we'll have a conversation. So he walks over towards him. Excuse me. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. There's a lot in that. See, Peter, he's like, excuse me, I can see that you're in my boat. Is there something I can help you with? And Jesus is like, yeah, actually, I'm glad you're here. Could you pull me out on the lake? Could we go out on the water together so I can teach all these people? And Peter does it. Who is Jesus to Peter at this stage? <laughs> Peter's been out all night. His team has pulled an all-nighter. They've been out trying, you know, maybe 12 hours, 14, 16, who knows how long they were out. And they didn't catch anything. They didn't come up with anything. And they're pulling into shore. They want to rest. They want to dry out their nets, mend them, fold them up, and get some sleep. And they pull up to shore. And what do they find? They find this big crowd. 
What's this big crowd doing? They're listening to this guy teach. Who's this guy? I mean, here they are, and they've worked all night, and they just want to pull up to shore and dry off. And here's this gigantic crowd in the way. Listen, any of you fishermen, fisherwomen? The only thing worse than not catching anything is not catching anything in front of a giant crowd of people. <laughs> Peter, what'd you catch? You know, and how's this happening? Well, it's this rabbi. And then this guy gets in his boat. And then this guy in his boat says, why don't you row me out so I can teach these people from the water? Look, Peter was either very patient, which frankly doesn't add up with the rest of what we know about Peter, or he was just too dog-tired to deal with it. He's fine. And he hauls him out on the water. Now, a little note here. What is Peter doing? He doesn't know what he's doing, but what Peter is doing is he is amplifying the voice of Jesus, and the voice of Jesus is the word of God. I just make a note here because, friends, remember this. Everything that we're doing together as a church, everything that we do to amplify voices around here, everything that we do to extend uh, the, voice of, the voice that we've got, it's to extend the voice not of me, not of Chris, not of anybody else. It's to extend the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus is the word of God. The voice of Jesus is the word of God. What Peter does is he rows them out. Why? So that Jesus' voice carries across the water and more people can hear. It's like a, it's like a, a low-tech AV system, okay? And Jesus is the one that we lift up. But who is Jesus to Peter at this stage? As he rows them out? It's nobody. He's a problem. He's a nuisance. Peter isn't alone in the same way that the, when we study the Samaritan woman at the well, like we know that she's alone. She's doing stuff to be alone. But I think we can get in Peter's head a little bit here. Where is Peter? I mean, he's frustrated. He's tired. He's disappointed. The things that he's, he's been doing all night, he's been out all night with his team. They didn't bring anything back. Things are not going the way that he wanted them to go. They're not going according to plan. Friends, we can, get, we can get pretty alone in the middle of a crowded room when things in our life are just not going the way we want it. Amen? And all of a sudden you're isolated. All of a sudden you're not feeling what others are feeling around you. Peter's, Peter's stuck in his own in his own frustration. And who is Jesus to him? He's a stranger, an inconvenience in an already irritating morning. But he has no choice but to listen to him. He can't do anything else. And the voice of Jesus is the word of God, and the word of God, it starts to have an effect. It starts to change hearts. Look at this in verse four. When he had finished speaking, that's Jesus. When Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. <laughs> what? Now, again, what has Peter been doing all this time? He's been sitting there doing one thing and one thing only, waiting for this guy to stop talking, right? All he wanted to do was be done with his... Anybody ever been at the end of your shift at work? And you're like, all I want is to go home. All I want is to go home. Please stop talking. Just stop talking. I mean, 
And then there's that guy who asks that question after the whole meeting is over. You're like, please, please, I want to go home. And can you relate to that? And here's Peter. All I, want, all, all I want is this guy to stop talking. Just stop talking. Just stop talking. He finally stops talking, and he turns to him and says, hey, let's go fishing. Why don't you turn the boat out toward the deep water? I mean, we're only a little ways out. Let's go out. Man, Peter has got to be on the edge of exploding. But he does it. He does it. He turns to the deep water. What's happening? Something's happening in Peter's mind about who this guy is. Let's go fishing, says Jesus. Let's go. Simon answered, verse 5, <laughs> Master. Ever been called sir by somebody who didn't mean sir? Ever been called master by somebody who didn't mean master? Captain, we've worked all night. We've worked hard. Haven't caught anything. There's nothing out there. Uh, thank you. Love it. Let's go in. There's nothing out there. But what does Jesus do? <laughs> In between that anything and that but, there's just silence. I don't know for how long, but there's just a pregnant pause. And Peter goes. So look, here's the thing. Shared experience. Let's go fishing. Let's go do something. Let's go try it. Let's go out there. I want, I want to say two things about this. One, I want to talk to guys here in particular. This is true for girls too, but I want to talk for guys, women, men, women. Okay, here we are. Um, how many, I know so many guys who sit in loneliness just because they don't want to go. Like you've been invited to the thing. You've got people who are asking you to go. You've got a, a, someone who's inviting you to, to go on the golf outing, to go on the camping trip, to go to the Bible study, to go to the, go. And, and I mean, does anybody relate to that? You just sit there. You're not going to feel any less alone sitting there alone. Amen. And Netflix isn't going to cover it. You, you've, you, you know, you got to go. you got to go. That's one thing. But on a deeper level, what's going on in Peter here is Peter is recognizing that if he says yes to this and if he turns a ship out to the deep waters, he's letting Jesus in. Because we're going to have a shared experience now. Like if I really say yes and I go fishing with you, that means we're going to be together for a long time. That means we're going to have a shared experience. That means that we're going to get to know each other better. And something in Peter allows it. He risks being known. You've got to risk being known. And out he goes. And he goes and he does it, not because it makes sense, not because it's the best use of his time, not because he's got the energy for it. He goes because Jesus asks him to. Who is Jesus in this stage? Peter is starting to think that this man is different. Because you say so, he says. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. As soon as he does it, as soon as, as Peter lets down the nets, his whole life changes. Friends, as soon as you respond to the voice of Jesus in your life with the slightest hint, the slightest seed of faith, the slightest hint of, of obedient response to what he's calling you to do, your whole life is going to change. When they had done so, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in another boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know what? The only thing better than catching a giant haul of fish is catching a giant haul of fish in front of that same crowd that you had to tell you caught nothing the night before. Watch this, right? 
And they're celebrating and they're hooting and hollering and they're, you know, all, and all this excitement and laughter and joy of this, this sort of whitewater moment of everything is happening and there's unexpected blessing and I never expected God to work this way. Listen, folks, when you respond to Jesus' call in your life, God is going to do something. God is going to do things that you don't expect. And when he does, there's, there's excitement. Life changes. And in the middle of all of that, here's what happens. In the middle of that shared experience, Peter and Jesus, they start to know each other a little better. And Peter, he, he feels known. And he looks at this man in his boat and he says, I think this man in my boat is God because he sees right through me. He knows everything that I am. He knows what I was. He knows where I've been. He knows who I'm trying to be right now. He sees right through me. And for Peter, that moment of, of just absolute you know, vulnerability, it's too much. And he hits his knees. He hits his knees. Now remember, this boat is full of fish. When, when Peter hits his knees in that boat, that means he's slopping down on a pile of, of wet, nasty, slimy fish, right? You don't hit your knees in that boat without pushing slimy fish out of the way. And you don't crawl toward the feet of Jesus without pushing things out of the way. And Peter, all he can think to do is to try to push Jesus away, try to push him away. He says, doesn't he, go away from me. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Peter, he knows that Jesus has power. He knows that Jesus can see him. What he doesn't know is, is there forgiveness with the Lord? Church, this is the moment. This is the transforming moment. Peter's trying to push Jesus away, but the Spirit is pushing right into Peter's heart, the Holy Spirit, and in this moment, he is open to God. And he winds up saying in that moment, go away from me, Lord. Not captain, not sir, not master, Lord. And I believe he means it because it's not too far off when Jesus is gonna gather all the disciples and he's gonna say to them, who do the people say that I am? And they say, well, they say that you're a teacher. They say you're a real moral man. They say that you're, some say that you're a prophet, but it's Peter. Jesus says to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am in Luke 9, verse 20? Who do you say that I am? What about you? Peter answered, God's Messiah. God's Messiah. Friends, something happens when, when you are known through and through and you are loved all the way down. And Peter, he's known He's known, and he's starting to feel loved. Peter's trying to push Jesus away. If you knew me, you wouldn't love me. If you knew who I really was, you wouldn't have gotten in my boat. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't bat an eye. He doesn't turn his gaze away. Peter says, get away from me, Lord. And Jesus says, get away from you? Turn away from you? Never. You're the one that I came for. You're the one I came to seek and to save. I've come from heaven to be with you and to bring you home to the Father. I have come to be with you. Turn away from you? Because of what? 
I've already dealt with that. I will, I've come to give my life for you and I will die on the cross for you and I will rise from the dead for you and I have come to name you my own, a beloved child of God. Turn away from you? Never. I've come to seek and to save and to carry you home. I've come to be your savior. Peter is open to God. And who is Jesus now? Well, Jesus, he's the Messiah, his savior. Once this gets through into Peter's life, his whole life changes. You see that his whole purpose shifts. His reason for being is now different. He's on a new footing in life. And it's not like his old job is totally irrelevant, but Jesus now has a new purpose for him. And what Jesus says is amazing. It's like all the stuff that I was training you for, it was so that you would pivot and do exactly what I need you to do in the next chapter. And all those years of pulling fish up out of the dark with nets, out of the dark waters, they were just training for you to go out and pull souls, pull people out of darkness, out of loneliness, out of despair, and to pull them with the nets of my love into the light of my kingdom. Don't be afraid, Peter. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You've been a fisherman. Now you're going to fish for men and women. So they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left. What? They left everything, everything, and followed him. You know what they really did? Peter really did. And he really did serve Jesus. And he really became the apostle, the preacher, the evangelist. And thousands and thousands in his lifetime came to faith and millions and billions afterward because he gave his life to the service of the Lord. Peter was not made to be alone. He didn't hide behind his, his, his business. He didn't hide behind his reputation. He was open to others in a new way, on a new footing. He was open to others because he wasn't made to be alone. He was made to belong. So church, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? See, Peter, I think, Peter could have been a little jaded, a little cynical. He would have been tempted to be a little hardened in cynicism by the fact that life wasn't going exactly as he wanted it to, exactly as he planned. And so I ask you, who do you want to be? Do you want to be a cynic, a cynic of the world, or do you want to be a child of God? Peter had to make a choice. Do you want to be a cynic of the world? What's a cynic of the world? Cynics, they're hardened, they're a little bit soured, they've had some bad, they're a little bit jaded, you know? And, and cynics, what do they do? They, they deconstruct everything. Like nothing really is what it appears to be. They deconstruct everything. Let me read this to you from Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning wrote, Cynics debunk everything. There is nothing true, good, or beautiful under the sun. They just don't take it as, as true and good and beautiful. You see, when you're in that, when you're a cynic of the world, all your milk is a little bit sour, Okay? Because it's just got that, that edge to it, that tinge to it. Like, that's not really so great. You, you, you take everything apart. In sexual love, the cynic perceives lust. In sacrifice and dedication, guilt. They see someone working hard at something, oh, they must be so guilty to work that hard. In charity, condescension. In political skills, manipulation. In powers of the mind, rationalization. In peacefulness, 
ennui. Like they see someone, they seem so peaceful. I think they've just given up. They've given up. In self-interest, sorry, in neighborliness, self-interest. In friendship, opportunism. Everything is twinged, you see. The vitality of the old is pathetic. The exuberance of the young is immature. The steadiness of the middle-aged is boredom. That's the cynic of the world. And yet even for the most disillusioned cynic, an aching longing remains for something true, good, and beautiful. Do you want to be a cynic of the world? Or do you want to be a child of God? Peter had to choose in that moment. Do I want to stay down this track where everything is a little bit soured, where where everything is a little bit off, where I just don't trust anything? There's nothing really true. There's nothing really good. There's nothing really beautiful in the world. There's no true love. There's no true joy. There's no true happiness. There's just people that are just trying to take advantage of each other. Do I want to go down that road and just get harder and harder and more callous and more cynical and more jaded in life? Am I going to go down that road of being a cynic of the world? Jesus showed up in Peter's boat. He said, I've got another way of life for you. You hit your knees before me, and you become what I have won. You become a child of God, full of wonder, full of awe. Yes, you've seen hard things. Yes, you've seen difficulties. Yes, you've seen things go to pieces. But you know that there's a God in heaven who is good. There's a God in heaven who has truth. There's a God who has put beautiful things in your life. And you're going to grow as a child of God in that sense of wonder like a wide-eyed child at all that God is bringing into your life. You don't want to be a cynic of the world. You want to be a child of God. You want to risk it. And that means you're going to hit your knees in front of Jesus. And maybe Jesus is in your boat this very morning. He is in your face. And you're sensing him speaking to you. I want to give you an opportunity, just like Peter, to open your heart to him and have life be different. Because you might be trying to push Jesus away. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. But Jesus didn't turn away from Peter, and he's not going to turn away from you. And no more going down the track of hardened cynicism. No more going down the track of, of everything being a little bit soured. You know, turn your heart today to Jesus and find the truth, the beauty, the goodness of his love and mercy and grace. You see, Jesus... He knows you through and through, and he loves you all the way down. So I'm going to give you a chance to pray, because I ask you, church, have you hit your knees before this Jesus? Have you gone down to the hull of the ship in the slime and the smell of the fish? And have you given yourself over to him? Have you left everything to follow him? And some of you are worshiping, you're worshiping from home through a screen. Don't think you're alone. Jesus, he's right there with you. This Jesus, he isn't dead and gone. He is alive. He's risen from the dead. And by his spirit, he's present. And he can change your life. He can shift your heart. He can touch the hardness and the calluses and the cynicism. And when you open your heart to God, he does things. He does things of his own accord and his own freedom. He changes things. To glorify himself, he will save you and name you a child of God. He sees you, he knows you, 
He loves you through and through. Turn away from you? Never. You're the one he came to save. You're the one he came to redeem. Jesus died so that you could live. Jesus went to the cross alone so that you could belong. So I want to ask you to pray. And uh, just, you can do whatever you want with this prayer. As we do in this church, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask everyone in the, in the church to pray along with me. No one prays alone. I'd encourage you to pray. I'd encourage you to make this prayer your own. You can set it aside. Or you can open your heart to Jesus right now. Recognize that he is alive. He is here. He is present. And he's calling you off that track of the cynic of the world and into a new place as a child of God, a place of belonging, of hope, forgiveness. Every head bowed and your eyes closed, I just ask you to pray along with me, follow along. You're a child of God. You're a beloved one. That's who you are. That's who you are. So I ask you to pray along with me. Make this your own prayer. Lord Jesus, I am hardened by cynicism. I am hidden in my sins. But you have found me. I want to be a child of God. On my knees I cry out to you. I believe in you. I trust in you. I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.